Hello and welcome to episode 5 of The Toth Zone, a podcast about how an obsession with music gave me a reason to live and also wrecked my life. I'm your host, James Toth. Today we'll meet one of my first and most fruitful musical collaborators, my sister, The Boo. My baby sister was born on Friday the 13th, March of 1987. I'd spent the preceding months pitching potential names for the baby, all drawn, naturally, from members of bands I liked. Had it been left to me, the person who would ultimately come to be known on her birth certificate as Cara Marie Toth might have been forced to walk the earth bearing the name Blackie, Kip, or Cece. In a final desperate attempt to have some hand in what to me seemed like a very important decision, I suggested the name Kyle, inspired by the character of Kyle Reese from the movie The Terminator, who I thought was super cool. As a result of this haranguing, my parents actually began to consider this name, and if my sister Kara had been born a boy, she would have been Kyle. I still like that name. Immediately we learned that Kara was born with Down syndrome. Upon returning home alone from the hospital on the afternoon of Kara's birth, my father asked my sister Carrie and me to follow him into the garage, where he informed us that something was wrong with the baby. Having no prior relationship to this baby, and thus no real attachment, I was strictly concerned with the health of my mom, who I was assured was in good shape and resting comfortably. Anxious relatives in the kitchen variously bawled, plotted, or prayed. Some of the older, more superstitious elders began crossing themselves, speaking grimly of being cursed given that the date was Friday the 13th. Carrie and I were left to contemplate the ramifications of this news and wonder, like children, what it meant for us. Meanwhile, at the hospital, my mother was visited during her postpartum recovery by a doctor who had come to discuss our family's options. This was, of course, a matter of procedure. You don't even have to see this baby, the young doctor assured my mother, likely just following a script. You can put this behind you and start again in a few months. As for this child, there are homes for these kinds of people where they will be well taken care of and... At this, my mother had to be restrained. To my mom, the very idea that someone would think she would consider giving up this baby, her baby, was a great insult, and she wanted more than anything to sock this poor young MD right in the mouth. Our basement remained an environment where the Toth kids and our friends were given free reign to shriek, scream, and holler to our heart's content. Out of indifference, permissiveness, or some mix of the two, neither my parents or my grandparents ever uttered so much as a whisper about the raucous goings-on below. This time and space was crucial to what I would later understand was the genesis of my artistic development. It allowed me to test the limits of my vocal cords and experiment with sound, and most importantly, it allowed me the freedom to make mistakes. The basement was my laboratory, and every unselfconscious shriek, holler, or bellow brought me closer to finding my voice, such that it was... Despite evidence to the contrary there, it was during these experiments that I discovered I was able to sing. A bystander outside our house during this time would be forgiven for assuming they'd stumbled upon a particularly rumbustious primal scream therapy session, but these were the noises of self-discovery and joy. Kara, who would soon adopt and forever bear the nickname The Boo, as in Caribou, 
had none of Carrie's hang-ups about recording or reputation or what might be considered normal, and so almost as soon as she was able to sit upright, she became my partner and chief collaborator. Our first and most enduring collaboration was a group we formed in 1991 and unimaginatively named Jack, as in James and Kara, J-A-K. I was about 11 or 12, and the boo had just turned four. Our setup was simple. Each of us clutched a microphone that was amplified by the karaoke machine, with the gain, reverb, and master volume turned up as far as they would go. I would wait for the boo to give me a cue. Usually it was the first thing she uttered into the microphone. On songs like these, I'd scream as loud and as hard as I could, improvising lyrics and melodies around the boo's chosen title, while the boo added her inimitable contribution, which consisted of strange wordless incantations that rose in volume and pitch as the song progressed. Try to imagine the Swedish chef from the Muppets performing a black mass. While the boo vocalized, I continued to free associate until the songs were over, at which point the boo would provide another cue, as in improv comedy, and we would explore that new word or phrase's various permutations and hidden meanings, turning them inside out, screaming until our voices broke, spinning variations of rhythmic and melodic shapes. I remember gazing over at the boo during our recordings and thinking about the people who might have silently pitied me for having a sister with Down syndrome, and I wish those people could see how much this singular little outsider artist was enriching my life. My sister was a natural, and my love, respect, and affection for her multiplied every time we constructed a new piece of our strange family music. The advantage of having the boo alongside me during these recordings cannot be overstated. If you eliminate my disabled sister from this odd hobby of screaming words into a live microphone, even my ever-permissive parents might have begun to question my sanity. On the surface, however, it appeared that I was merely being a good big brother, dutifully entertaining my baby sister. Our biggest musical influence was probably Canadian children's entertainer Raffi and his songs about donkeys and frolicking ducks and tying your shoes. Though my sister enjoyed the cassettes of Raffi's music, it was a VHS copy of Raffi in Concert with the Rise and Shine Band that remained her favorite. The Boo watched the video several times a day. At some point, the music of Raffi, like a lone sperm fertilizing a reluctant egg, burrowed its way through to my subconscious. I would pretend to mosh to Raffi songs, gleefully diving back first onto the Boo during one of the upbeat numbers, or I would thrash the sofa to the sounds of De Calores. 
Rafi, more than the president, Springsteen, or Jesus, was an integral part of my family's life and was thus a crucial lodestar for our music. The Boo and I would collaborate many times over the years. When she was still a toddler, I gave her a second nickname, Dusty, after the professional wrestler Dusty Rhodes, who I cruelly told her she resembled. Dusty Cara went on, in our imaginations, to have several number one hit singles invented by Carrie and me, including Blast It, Go For Your Dreams, Sleepin' On The Job, Doin' My Thing, and Texas River Flowin', all of which, as with Carrie Clues' should-have-been-massive 1988 album, we Toth kids can all sing from memory. When I acquired my first drum machine, the first thing I did was program some rudimentary beats, and I set the boo up with a microphone and a delay pedal. The results, full of indecipherable, unself-conscious boo glossolalia, were resplendent. My little sister is all id. When you say something she disagrees with or finds distasteful, the boo will wince openly as if the words themselves have wounded her in some significant way, causing her physical pain or trauma. She tightens her eyes, turns her chin to the side, and exhales as if stealing herself for an intravenous injection. Unlike me, she has also retained her thick New York accent, which provides more than a little cognitive dissonance. This special little person with the angelic face and the Winnie the Pooh t-shirt speaks in the cadence, and occasionally the dialect, of a mafia-connected teamster. Being around a high-functioning person with Down syndrome like the Boo can occasionally be a little like being around someone who is constantly drunk. Though she is what is referred to in disability parlance as mainstream, the Boo has a job and a social life, including boyfriends, my sister doesn't possess the rhetorical skills that allow other, more socially conditioned people to conceal their true feelings. As a result, she is brutally direct. In recent years, she has refused to visit me at my home in Wisconsin because, due to unyielding FAA regulations, she is not permitted to cart all of her stuff with her on the plane. The boo likes to be very close to her many belongings, and carries with her everywhere she goes several purses and a bulging backpack that would not look out of place as part of some rigorous basic training test for army cadets. One of the boo's catchphrases is, Listen, I love you, but... As in... Listen, I love you, but I don't want to buy you a birthday present. She's also fond of the phrase, deal or no deal, from the once popular television game show of the same name. The only trouble is, her deals are terrible. Listen, you come pick me up in your car, and then you can buy me lunch. Deal or no deal. She's also, like her brother, a great appreciator of the arts. One of my most cherished memories is of the boo at my wedding reception, expertly, if impatiently, leading all of my art school and musician friends in the time warp dance from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. She knows that movie by heart. The boo is earnest in ways that can be heartbreaking. A popular term of derision when we were growing up was herb, 
an epithet for someone weak and uncool. Despite its brief ubiquity in hip-hop songs and street slang, the etymology of the word has its roots in, of all places, a Burger King commercial. Carrie was fond of picking on the boo by teasingly referring to her as the little herb. One day, the boo insisted I stop calling her the boo. Why, I asked. We've always called you that. That's your name. I want you to call me what Carrie calls me, explained the boo. Call me Herb. My sister also has a big mouth. Once during our teenage years on one of our many walks to Carvel for ice cream, we passed a brick wall on which I had recently tagged my name in bold Krylon flat black spray paint. I did that, I boasted to her. A week later, traveling with my mother by car, the boo remembered the wall as they drove past the scene of my crime. James did that, the boo informed my mother, pointing out my handiwork and beaming with fraternal pride. Who did what? my mother demanded, stopping the car to look. In hindsight, I believe if I was the sort of person who put stock in the idea of intervening cosmic forces, I could be convinced that the boo's arrival in our lives was a means of giving us a sense of empathy we'd previously lacked. Prior to the boo's arrival, Carrie and I were probably both well on the path to becoming assholes. We would sometimes bully other neighborhood kids, calling them retards, and far worse, occasionally punching or threatening them. Now we had a little sister to protect, a vulnerable-for-life character with whom we shared blood and were thus duty-bound to defend. Whether consciously or not, I believe that Carrie and I both began to feel some guilt and repentance for the cruel acts we'd previously committed against innocence. Carrie and I could now imagine someone hitting the boo in the face at close range with a regulation-sized basketball, like I did to Kenny Britton, or trying out professional wrestling maneuvers on unwilling volunteers, as befell poor Matthew DeForest, a victim of Carrie's devastating pile driver. The boo softened us. Many years later, I would briefly work as a paid mentor for mentally disabled children and adults, my only qualification being that I'd grown up with a disabled sister. I found this to be extremely difficult and often thankless work. Many people with similar birth defects as the boo are largely nonverbal, and many can't be trusted to safely eat, drink, or use the bathroom unaided, all of which made me grateful to realize just how relatively high-functioning the boo is. Though my sister is not able to make change of a dollar, write in cursive, or tell time on an analog clock, she has successfully outmatched me at both bowling and skee-ball, taught me how to use my first smartphone, and has on countless occasions caused me to laugh so hard I could barely breathe. One time I managed to coax Carrie out of self-imposed retirement for the same reason many aging rockers are often reluctantly lured back into the public eye, to mark a tragedy or to contribute to a good cause. In our case, our own private benefit concert necessarily resulted from our inadvertently injuring the boo. Bad. I had the boo by the ankles and Carrie had her by the wrists. She was face down. We were doing that one, two, three thing where two people toss a third person onto a sofa or other soft object halfway across the room. But the boo never actually got launched because Carrie accidentally dropped her side of the boo between two and three, planting the boo face first onto the hardwood living room floor, damaging her teeth and splitting her lip. In repentance, we quickly composed a song loosely based on the old Brenda Lee tune, I'm Sorry. The verses and lyrics, however, were all ours. Dusty, we're sorry for what we've done. We didn't mean it, we were just having fun. I think that's how it went. One unexpected silver lining emerged from this incident. My accidental discovery of harmony. At some point during the recording of the song we planned to offer as a gift to our injured little sister, Carrie sang one note that was different than the one I was singing. 
It sounded consonant and wonderful. I stopped the tape. Do that again, I told her. Instinctively, Carrie repeated the harmony. Holy shit! It sounded like real music. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to be alerted about new episodes. And as always, please spread the word and tell your friends. You can find me on Twitter at JimmyJackToth and on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetothzone. The theme music for The Toth Zone is provided by my good pal and bandmate, Nick Mitchell Maiato, who generously allowed me to use his song Ode to Watt for the theme. See you next time, when we will meet my late cousin Peter Steele of the band Typo Negative. This is The Toth Zone. <laughs>